And we're back in this Wednesday with vaccine researcher, family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. Dr. Gorfinkel, I wanted to pick up on something you mentioned in our first break, and that was about our ability to be uh, agile in face of changing uh, data. Because I think it was uh, eye-opening for a lot of us to hear wastewater samples are showing that we've got a uh, growing positivity here in Ontario once again when it comes to uh, COVID. So do you think that uh, our decision makers have got that ability to be agile and uh, us as a population? Populous, uh, as well, because I think, uh, as you well know, there's so much COVID fatigue. So many people are ready for this to be done and over with and uh, put it in the rearview mirror. Are we all, do you think, uh, got the mindset to be that agile to adjust uh, when it comes to uh, changing data? I think step one is recognizing that fatigue. It's not just pandemic fatigue. It's vaccine fatigue. If you take a look at how many Canadians are now taking that booster shot, you know, it's, it's a sad number. We should be at that same 80%. We should be at four out of five, but instead we're just like one half. Of it, less than half of Canadians have had that booster shot. And we know that booster shot is critical to reduce infections. It's lucky that two doses continues to reduce severe infections and hospitalizations, but we need that third shot. It does help to reduce severe infections as well. It's just that People aren't taking it. And I just say that because that shows you it's, it's reflective of a bit of a lack of agility in the face of really strong and solid data. And, and I think if we embrace the fact that we're tired, maybe then we can move forward and say, OK, well, we have to keep on keeping on in order to make sure that the numbers stay low. Wastewater signals have gone up. Case positivities has taken a turn, unfortunately, for the worst in most of Ontario. You know, so what, what can we do about that? Fight pandemic fatigue, fight vaccine fatigue, embrace what long haulers have to say, and for heaven's sake, push public health to the wall and say, stand up and do what public health should be doing, which is being that voice for the voiceless, the elderly, those with chronic conditions and disabilities, and people who have immune compromise. Even children should be included on that list because they, too, can suffer from long COVID. I believe the numbers of children suffering are much less. It's some one out of 33 11 to 16-year-olds who are going to experience long COVID. But if you put that number across a broad population that has yet to be vaccinated, well, I'll share with you, we know that number becomes very large very quickly. Okay, I also want to touch on in our remaining moments here uh, something that, uh, well, we attempted to talk about on the morning show uh, this morning. Uh, here's one thing I've got is Zoom fatigue. Okay, And I know we had some connection uh, difficulties and uh, problems, but wanted to pick up uh, on this with you here on the radio uh, this afternoon because uh, we wanted to talk about the importance of your overall health checking in with your healthcare provider, your family physician, such as uh, yourself, which I think has uh, gone by the wayside, unfortunately, for so many of us with so much going on in the last couple of years with the pandemic. And especially doctors, because there's so much competing for our attention at everything COVID-related, at everything having to do with the vaccines, the testing, the disease, the long COVID. So make sure, make sure that the pillars of health are there sleep more than seven hours, eat a Mediterranean diet, exercise. These, these things are the pillars of well-being. But we also have to keep up on our basics. What about vaccines? One out of four children have missed their scheduled vaccines during the pandemic. Adults need vaccines as well. We're talking pneumonia, shingles. And what happened to them? 
you know, somehow they've been sort of put aside, and that's problematic. What about good old blood pressure checks and cancer screens? You know, these cancers are curable. I can use the word curable when caught early. Certain breast cancers, colorectal cancers, 9 out of 10 can be caught with a colonoscopy on time. What about checking for diabetes and high cholesterol? These are major coronary risk factors. So, we, yeah, we have to get back into that. We have to start retesting. And unfortunately, the best I can do is say, advocate for your own needs. I was about to say the very same thing. Make sure that you're reaching out to your doctor, your family doctor. If you were scheduled for a a checkup that uh, unfortunately went unfulfilled in the last year or so, uh, again, you're your best advocate. Make sure that uh, that checkup is happening. Well put. All right. Uh, Yeah, I also want to uh, mention as well, because it's just not family doctors, but there's a a few other areas, including uh, the dentist uh, as well. I think a lot of people have not probably been to the dentist, and we know that uh, oral health care is of vital importance. Absolutely. Again, this is one of these things. They say, okay, you should see the dentist every six months. In England, they did a Cochrane review on that. So a Cochrane review is considered one of the best and most... uh, powerful tools we have in medicine to tell us what is that right number. Right now, we think it's about once every two years if somebody is a low-risk adult with no health problems. So now, to be fair, if somebody is drinking alcohol or a smoker or they have you know, risk factors in their past medical history, and this includes saliva problems. There are many medications that can affect the quantity or quality of saliva. These are reasons to consider seeing the dentist sooner. And, you know, as far as what about kids and adolescents? How often should they really see the dentist? Answer, we're not sure. The evidence base is not strong to say every six months or every year. Certainly if a child has a problem, it's it's obvious, you know, but aside from that, we're not actually certain of the date. What we are certain of, fluoridation works, brushing teeth works, flossing daily works. It reduces the inflammation and plaque in the mouth. Take it from a GP. I'm not a dentist, but I'm just saying this is how I would guide my own patients. All right. Some great advice. Make sure you check in with your uh, dental professional and your family, a doctor, if you've not done so, particularly over the last little while and during the uh, pandemic, because it's of big, big importance. Dr. Gore Finkel, appreciate it as always. Thanks so much for this. We'll talk again next Wednesday. Sounds like a plan. All right. Vaccine researcher and family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel with us. When we come back uh, after the break, uh, the latest inflation report is out, and I don't think it's going to catch anybody by surprise that inflation is up again and significantly once again. What's driving it and by how much? We're going to break down the numbers with a senior economist from the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives who will join us after news update to 2 o'clock, which is straight ahead. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.